Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. It's a journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. Finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Welcome to Recovery Talks. I'm Leah Wetzel, Montana's Peer Network Drop-In Center Coordinator. And today I'm representing our criminal justice subcommittee today here with our our chair and another subcommittee member uh, joining me. The month of January, we're doing MPN subcommittees, kind of checking in to see what each committee is doing and working on. I want to introduce these amazing individuals I have with me today. Let's go with Jess first. Jess, will you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Jessica Colton, and I work for Recovery Center of Montana as a lead peer support. I just joined the Criminal Justice Subcommittee because that's been my past with 38 arrests and want to give back to the community and help those folks that are reentering and reintegrating back into society. Thank you, Jess, and we're very excited to have you. Rowana and I have been waiting on the opportunity and as soon as it showed itself. We're glad to have you with us and stepping up into that chair role right off the bat. We, we really appreciate that. Miss Rowana, would you like to tell us, well, introduce yourself and tell us a little about yourself? Absolutely. My name is Rowana Gets Down Often. I am 47 years old. I am the manager of the Hope Drop-In Center located in Hardin, Montana, a peer support specialist, criminal justice peer support specialist. I was a meth addict for 30 years in my community. I was a main supplier for 26 years. I've been in recovery for seven years. In and out of the criminal justice or the justice system, in and out of jail for many years, so I am um, very familiar with the inside and re-entering and dealing with family members, also dealing with the same, you know, in and out of prison, the re-entry thing. So now I stand and support those re-entering and their families. Thank you so much, Rowanna. And both of these ladies, uh, Jess, at one point, Rowanna still is um, lead peer support specialist at drop-in centers. Uh, so MPN has a contract with AMDD um, out of Montana here. And there are some contracts out for drop-in centers. And so I've been very lucky to be able to work with both of these individuals on a personal level and a peer level. Um, they mentor me, I mentor them, and it's it's been great. And I'm able to really focus in on this criminal justice piece. Um, a little bit about myself. I've been in and out of the justice system since I was 18. Got sober at 35. Graduated in and out of jail, in and out of treatment facilities, went 
to prison from 2011 to 2014 or when I think it was December of 14 um, and came out and went right back into that revolving door. I was lucky enough to be able to join the 8th Judicial Drug Court Program, um, ran a perfect program, went through Riverside uh, Department of Corrections, Riverside Trauma Treatment Center, um, great reentry program. I wish it still existed. Um, I'm also a survivor of human trafficking and family member of MMIP. Um, and I, I sit as the board chair for the North Central Montana Human Trafficking and MMIP Task Force. Um, my next move is to really get the voices of these women who are both survivors and um, just us being within the world of drugs, we end up in some, some sticky situations and I've learned just within the last couple of years, being at the task force, going to the AG symposium, how important it is that they hear our voice. And so that's uh, been a big goal of mine to get peer support within those human trafficking and MMIP task force spaces. And how that looks exactly yet, I don't know, but I can see it in my mind and I look forward to, we look forward to sharing uh, the visuals, our, our purpose, our vision of this committee in our upcoming webinar as well. Jess, what is your biggest reasoning of wanting to join the Criminal Justice Subcommittee? Because I know you have a lot of passions um, within this area of work. Yeah, my biggest passion for joining the Criminal Justice Committee has been when I was incarcerated 38 times, I never had anyone to walk alongside me. And I was given a list when I got out of all these things and demands I had to meet. And if I didn't meet them, I was going to get issued another warrant. So it was easier to keep using because I didn't know how I was going to navigate the system on my own. So my biggest reasoning for joining the committee was to help folks get into the justice system, peer supports in particular, so that we can help people prior to reentry, navigating those things, getting having their needs met upon release so that they have housing or they have employment opportunities or just being able to get on their feet so that they can sustain recovery once they re are released and they're able to pay their fines and do all those things that the courts are gonna require of them and have that support and be integrated into the community with support prior to getting out so that they have a connection in the community. That's, I love that vision and do you feel that, so I've, I see the support you give, I see the passion you have for your community and, you know, us as give, as healers, because I feel like we're all on this healing journey together. And, and when we're, when we're on that healing journey, we're giving back in that same way. Do you feel like when you're supporting these individuals, you're supporting them as if the support that you wish you could have had? Absolutely. <laughs> a lot of times I try and be the person that I never had in my life. And like, uh, overall it's their journey and they get to have the voice and choice in their own recovery. But I get to walk alongside them and support that choice. 
because I know when I didn't have a voice, I didn't want to do what everybody else wanted to do. I didn't want someone to fix me. I just wanted to be heard. And that was something that was huge for me in my recoveries. When I finally had that, I was able to sustain myself. And I've been out of incarceration since 2016 because of one person that walked alongside me and never gave up on me and allowed me to decide how, what that was going to look like for my life. Thank you so much, Jess. It's been an honor to watch your journey. Jess and I did PS 101 together back in 2020. Uh, right, be, The last one before COVID really took, uh, took over, but um, it's amazing to watch your journey and I'm so honored to have you on here with us. Um, Rowanna, what would you say your, your biggest reasoning for joining the Criminal Justice Subcommittee is? My biggest reason for joining the subcommittee is um, too often, too many, I see community members reentering society having to repay the crime they'd already paid for over and over and over through their family members, through the community members, um, because our families don't know what it's like on the inside. And so they don't know how to perceive us. They don't know how to, you know, everybody's uneasy of bringing us back into the home. All they see is that crime we committed. And, you know, they don't realize that we do all the, you know, we're, we're getting reacquainted with Christ. You know, we're in there educating ourselves on how to overcome bondages and, and gaining new skills. And, you know, but they don't see that. And all they see is that criminal or that, that crime we committed. And so we're not welcome back into the family or back into the society that we just long for while we're on the inside and we just want to get home. And then that, you know, their, their perception, their, their opinions of us are the only ones that matter. Our loved ones, our immediate families, and they're the ones that, that are, that have us, you know, that they don't see us as a new person. I mean, they don't, you know, and, and so it makes, they're the first ones to, to crush our spirits. And then we're right back to, you know, the perception of ourselves as being, you know, not worthy again. So, um, and that was my biggest uh, obstacle every time I got out of jail, you know, that revolving door in and out of jail all the time and having to come out, you know, wishing to be home, missing my family. And then I'm nothing but a drug dealer to them. And they're uneasy. They don't want me in their home because I'm going to be bringing that environment that, you know, that all the risks that go with it inside to their homes and without um, giving me a chance because they don't know that I'm on, you know, on the inside we're bargaining and we're praying and, you know, we're, we're uh, gaining these skills on how to um, control our minds and self-control and those things. They don't see that. So yeah, they have us, we, we repay for our crime over and over and over because of the perception of the way they the way they see us and the perception of ourselves. So I would really like to help educate family members of those re-entering society so that we can stop that stigma, you know, and, and educate the community members that these, you know, I always said God's um, jail is God's classroom. You know, you go in there and you're not, you don't come out the same, but they don't see that. So 
And, and I just, you know, it doesn't have to take as long as, you know, it did for me, for somebody, if they had that same education or if they would, if they had the resources we have now, you know, we didn't have these things back then, but we do now. So we can do something now that we didn't have available then. Thank you, Rowanna. And I know that uh, your drop-in center and specifically you are big about that uh, curriculum with Native American Fathers and Families Association. Um, fatherhood is sacred, motherhood is sacred. And as I was hearing you talk, I was hearing Al Pooley, you know, because that's a big piece is rebuilding those relationships. Um, would you say as you're standing beside those that you support and, and helping them rebuild those relationships? Because I know one of your stories was, um, you know, it gets cold out here in Montana and there's no shelter in place out where you live down in Hardin. You've had to really support these individuals and in empowering them and educating their families uh, to help them find warm places to stay and be reunited with their families. Has that curriculum been helpful with that? That curriculum is amazing. If I could, if I could suggest one skill to every family member out there would be to participate in that NAFA parenting session. It doesn't take a person to be on conditions or to be under you know, any kind of um, system, social services or whatever, um, to take it. It's so valuable, the skills we learn on there. And yes, I think um, it, it's helped tremendously reunite and restore families. Matter of fact, I have three individuals, three families, the men are the ones re-entering into the society. And right away, they get caught up right away, right back into the justice system because of that same thing of, you know, the family members not trusting them. They see them as the crime they committed. And, and so coming out of the jail system, again, with, with recommendations, requirements, again, right away, we're jumping on the parenting because, um, you know, they're just the restoring of them skills that, um, we need so much and and it's worked so much because now they have the support of their companion while going through this curriculum and they're just rebuilding of their trust and um you know once they complete this curriculum with the certificates you know they're going to bring home the babies you know so oh my gosh yes I that's it's so valuable that and it's so good that curriculum that it's made me a better person in my own home today um, I tried to force my kids to take that train, you know, to do the training. <laughs> I could force my kids, but darn it, you know, yes, that that curriculum is something I think everybody should um, should jump on. You know, if, if you're a facilitator and you have a family member struggling or need um, to restore skills in any way, the NAFA Fatherhood of Sacred Motherhood of Sacred program. Is, is something I that has transformed my own life just by facilitating it. And, and I know it will do the same for 
everybody needing to um, restore their homes and their, themselves. Thank you. Man, we've had some, I just really appreciate you guys being here and, you know, just showing up as your authentic selves and um, such passionate individuals. If we could leave on one last note, what are some things that within our meetings, within kind of what we're, our goals we're starting to set within our subcommittee, what are some things that um, you really have a lot of passion on um, starting and, and setting uh, goals and strategies within this subcommittee within this next year? Jess, would you like to go first? Sure. One of my biggest goals is being able to get, Missoula is kind of particular about allowing ex-felons to go into the system. So I've been fighting really hard to be able to just even take ministry in or something just so they can see that I'm a different person today and change that stigma in the system. I have a really good relationship with probation and parole. So I just keep fighting and going to the public defenders. I just keep showing up. And so they're reviewing my file right now to try and get me in with my ministry at church. That's great. To go in. So I haven't had a response, but they're opening it up this month. So I'm just praying that that'll open more doors of opportunities to be able to show them that our past doesn't have to define us. And we're not all of us are the same. Ah. Uh. So, Yes. I've been doing that for about a year now, and it's been successful with public defender's office and probation and parole. <laughs> but as far as the jail goes, I'm still, I went to the volunteer training and everything, and they approved me, and then they decided they wanted to review my file. So that's kind of where we're at in this community, but I have a court date with, with a peer this afternoon, and I keep showing up to court for people, so the judges are getting to know us and know what we do and how we advocate and support, so... I'm just going to continue to do that and hopefully more doors will continue to open. I see your, your head shaking, Rowena. Do you want to share yours as well? And then, um, cause I know we're all kind of against that same types of stigma and it's about building relationships. Um, yes. Um, getting into the jail system. I did actually start, I was doing parenting, um, one-on-ones with the jail and then they put a stop to it, you know, um, but we're fighting that as well. I have, I also have a good uh, relationship with the probation and parole and I've been going to court with um, individuals and each, you know, with that lived experience and our, and our reputation within our communities, that trust we had created with these um, individuals, you know, they're, you know, praise God that they're following through with their recommendations and every one of them has had a good outcome, you know, with this peer support. Um, and just yesterday I went to court with an individual and the judge saw, you know, after the whole thing was over, the judge had said, well, you have some good representation, you have good counsel and, and, men, and mentors there. So I have, I see no, no reason to, to make this order permanent. And I know it will have a good outcome and um, it'll work itself out, you know? So we, the judge 
is seeing peer support as something very valuable and very effective. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's that also. The goal would, a goal of mine would be to get into the prison systems, you know, where they have the, you know, their groups, the skills that they learn there. Um, there needs to be more done inside the, inside the system. Mm-hmm. At, at, at reentry, they're just giving them a list and they're credit, setting them free, you know, with the skills they're taking on on the inside, whether it be parenting um, or celebrating recovery or whatever in there to, to have them certificates so that they can have references by their peer support specialists so that they can apply for jobs and makes it easier to remove that stigma that they are these criminals, you know, they, they are in there gaining skills and they are having, um, you know, some cognitive principle restoring insight and to have it show documented so that it's easier for them to come back into society and they can be, you know, get back into the workforce easier than it's always been. And, um, uh, and, and, and then to connect for if we could work with the caseworkers or what have you that work with the reentry people, they could connect with the peer support and we can contact the family members and educate them on what their family, how their family member has transformed while they're inside. So they don't come out viewing their family members as that criminal that, that they last saw so that the whole family can have a chance, give each other a chance. I love that. So, you know, MPN is all about training, advocacy, consultations. Do you guys feel if we were able to, you know, we have our webinar coming up to our listeners January 20th at 10 a.m. And we'll be sharing some things that we're working on and our purpose and vision here at the MPN Criminal Justice Subcommittee. Um, But do you feel having a training, you know, we're all certified behavioral peer support specialists. Do you feel having a training that gives us competency within the justice system, helps us build relationships with those in the justice system and educate those in the justice system, sharing our story. Do you think that would be helpful? Um, because we're working on a kind of a basic model that that people can implement into all areas of the justice system. But I think a big piece is educating the families, educating the justice spaces, and advocating and sharing our own stories of success is so helpful. Also, um, you know, that title means a lot to a lot of people. They want to know who you are. They look for, um, they look for that, that badge, you know, I went to the jail today and, um, and I had to explain who I was, where I came from, where I got the training, you know, they're like, who, what, you know, Um, so if we could have like, you know, a certain, a name tag or something that looks professional enough for the, when we go into the jail to advocate um, or, or, you know, to help somebody with a treatment plan or a reentry plan or, you know, what have you, we have that badge that says, you know, 
Montana criminal justice, you know, peer support or whatever that the, the jailers and the, you know, that they can look at and identify us by. Being acknowledged as criminal justice or behavioral peer support yes. specialist and having a specialty license on our already licensed through the Board of Behavioral Health. Definitely. If we can get acknowledged in spaces of Department of Justice, Montana Board of Crime Control as justice, criminal justice certified behavioral health peer support specialist, I believe um, with the right advocacy and, and believing in what we do here in this justice system, that there's, that's powerful and that, that we, can, we can conquer that, definitely. Well, thank you guys again for joining me. Uh, thank you for allowing me to be on this team with you. Um, for our listeners, if you're interested in learning more about the criminal just Montana's Peer Networks Criminal Justice uh, Peer Support Committee, um, check us out on the website and listen in. Every week, we have a new Recovery Talks for you. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works, recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. (laughs) Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery is possible.